Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are in a series, i got to start preaching now, um, we are in a series uh, called Sermon on the Mount. If you missed last week, we talked about what do you do when you're worried and you're full of anxiety, and Jesus says, don't worry about anything, right? Like, like why worry about your life? And we talked about it, and it was a really real, raw um, sermon. And today I want to talk to you about good and plenties and the middle seat, good and plenties in the middle seat. And um, today, really, we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 7. And we've given homework. There's going to be several homework assignments today. Um, but read through the Sermon on the Mount that is found in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew 7 because we believe in the Word of God, right, as a church. And the more you read the Word of God, the more the Word of God reads you. The more you get into the Word, the more the Word gets into you. And so um, whether you have been a student of the Bible, reading the Bible on a regular basis, basis, maybe you haven't done it in years. That's okay. Man, dive in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Um, this week, read it on your own. Um, and it's just been a really awesome time for me to get into the word about this over and over and over. But in Matthew chapter (coughs) 5, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, there's one of the most quoted scriptures in all of the Bible. And and people that don't go to church know this scripture. Like, it's crazy. Atheists quote this scripture. I'm not kidding. And so I'm going to let you finish what I start, right? This is a quote from Jesus himself, found in Matthew chapter 7, and you got, we're going to, we believe in crowd participation today, so amen in, um, hollering, yelling, um, all that stuff, you, um, get it, get it, boy, there you go, let the big dog eat, somebody beat me to it, yes, um, all that, um, so you get to finish it, judge not, lest ye be, yeah, we know this, right, and here's the deal, most of us, we misquote this scripture and misuse this scripture all the time, right? And this is the most weaponized scripture. This is the most uh, abused scripture probably out of the Bible because if somebody's bringing correction to our life, we're like, don't judge me. You don't know. You don't know. Judge not lest you be judged. Judge not. Your teenager says this in the morning, like, judge not lest you be judged. But, babe, you can't wear that. Judge not lest you be judged, right? Like, what are you saying? And so, and, and, and so I want to talk to you today about the topic and the subject of being judgmental. Um, of being judgy. And my goal today is to offend everybody. Both sides of the aisle. And and so, if we're going to really dive into what being judgy is all about, or what being judgmental is about, we got to understand being judgy in the first place. And and, and so we're going to start right there, and I want us to understand there is a difference between judging and observing. Right? There's a difference between judging and observing. I'm getting ready to pull out some things from this bag right here. And when I do, I want you to tell me what kind of tree it comes from, okay? Oh, come on, second service. First service blew you out of the water. A banana comes from a... 
there we go. Somebody said McDonald's. Um, an orange comes from a... Oh, you guys are with it now. Um, an apple comes from a... Wrong. Um, and a grapefruit comes from a... Grapefruit tree. We know this, right? How do you know? How, how do you know that? Because you know it based on the fruit that it produces, right? You know it based on the fruit that that tree produces, that this came from a grapefruit tree because a grapefruit can't produce an apple. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 20, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Today, after service, if for some reason, somehow, some way, Matt caught on fire. Right? And Matt is, is like walking through the lobby and he's on fire. And I'm like, bro, Matt, you're on fire, man. Like you are on fire. Matt would not look back at me and go, don't judge me, Justin. Just let me burn. Stop. I hate this church, right? No, why would he not say that? Because I'm just telling him what I'm observing. Right, I am talking to him, and, and that's the big, there's a massive difference between judging somebody and observing what they're producing. So, so let's go through this. What's the difference between judging and observing or correcting, right? Judging talks about instead of to, right? Judging talks about the person instead of to the person. Judging tears others down instead of building them up, and judgment magnifies others' faults while excusing your own. That's what it does. Well, well, look, look at them. Look how she's dressed. Look, look how he acts. Look what they spent their money on. Golly, idiots, right? You, but you, you're judging, but you're never, never talking to. You're talking about, but not talking to. But observing or correction means this: it communicates what people's lives are producing to the actual people producing it. Right? Correction and observing, it communicates what people's lives are producing to the actual people producing it. It talks to the person out of love and kindness and brings constructive criticism, which also, I'm going to title it this today. Constructive criticism is also called constructive correction. Right? Because criticism has this negative kind of context that we bring with it, but, but constructive criticism or constructive correction. So, so here's what I'm going to say. Today, if you come in and every time you go to church or every time you get together with your Christians, you say, well, I just don't like hanging around church people. I don't like hanging around churches. I don't like, I, I, I just feel judged. Like they're, they're mean. They just judge me all the time. Here, here's what's going on. You, you don't like what your life's producing probably is what's going on. Right, And as a result, anytime people talk about the fruit your life is producing, you instantly go, judge not, let you be, lest you be judged, right? Don't judge me, because you got your own problems, you got your own issues. But here's the problem. We're not going to get better if we don't surround ourselves with people that actually bring constructive correction to our life. 
You need people that care more about you than your feelings. Let me say that again. You need people around you that care more about you than your feelings. That care enough to tell you what your life is producing. And that they do it in love and kindness. Can I tell you, this is your homework. Your homework for this week, first, first, first assignment. I know school just got started. Is to find somebody that you trust, that you know is for you, and you give them permission to speak constructive criticism, constructive correction in your life if you're getting off kilter or off degree or you're producing the wrong thing. I did this just this week myself, right? And here's why. Because Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says this. To accept correction is wise, but to reject it is stupid. Let that get in. To accept correction is a wise way to live your life. A wise way for you to live your life is to surround yourself with people who will bring correction to your life, but to reject that correction is a foolish, is a stupid way for you to live. Because here's what's going on. You're deciding that I would rather live in my dysfunction and live my lie and live in a make-pretend world rather than to to really address the issues that's going to go on that will make me live my life out in a better way. And that is a stupid, stupid way for you and I to live, right? And the Bible says this in Proverbs 19.20, one of my favorite Proverbs in all the Bible. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. There's no time frame on this. There's no age that you get to that this scripture doesn't apply to you. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. To all my people who are getting up there in years, that means you are 40 and above. So I am there with you. Some of you are less offended now that I included myself in that age range, right? Here's the goal. The goal isn't to just be wise for a season. It's to be wise for a lifetime. It's not to be wise for a season, because can I tell you, the older you get, when you get in your 40s and your 50s, it's crucial that you don't fumble the ball in that season, because it's a lot harder to recover in your 40s and 50s than it is your 20s. So, So what's the solution? Get all the wisdom and all the instruction, all the constructive correction you can get so that you will live your life in a better, wiser way. Teenagers, college students, man, if you can get this, if you can just be humble enough to say, man, I need somebody to speak something to me that's not just judging me, stop being so judgy, but is looking at the fruit my life is producing, and you can say, hey, I want you to call me on it. I give you permission to call me on it. Can I tell you, that's the wise way for you to live. But that's not all that we're talking about today. Today we're talking about being judgy. We're talking about, which that's not a word, but it's a word today, about being judgmental, right? And and some of us would say, well, I don't struggle with being judgy and judgmental. But here's what I want us to know about being judgy. Being judgy is a killer and turns people away. Being judgmental, having a judgmental attitude, being judgy, man, it's a killer. It kills people's faith. It kills people's desire to go to church. It kills people's desire to follow Jesus Christ. And it turns people away from church. 
and from Jesus and from following him and surrendering their life to him. Number one turnoff for non-Christians, for non-followers of Jesus Christ is they feel like the church is judgmental. That's, that's just fact. Why do most people not come to church? Because they feel the moment they step into the parking lot or drive into the parking lot, they're already being judged before they ever walk in the door. And here's what I want us to know, is that one of our main core beliefs, one of our big values, is that we want to be a church where the lost can become found. Right? That, that people's mess and people's dysfunction and, and the way that they are, that people don't come in here and pretend we're not a fake church. We're a real church, right? So that means this, Foundation Church, we got to stop expecting lost people to act like found people. We got to let lost people be lost people, right? We got to, we got to welcome people. Man, growing up in the, in the traditional church, if people smoke in the parking lot, are you kidding? You're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And now you smell like it, right? Like I was just like, that's what I thought as a kid. Ah, smell it on you. Hell's all over you, right? Like that's just what it. <laughs> all you that grew up Baptist, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't even grow up Baptist. I grew up AG. Like that's what I, I was like, oh, 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 they're gonna speak in tongues all over you. Here's the deal. And, and so what has happened? Our church parking lots no longer have cigarette butts. No longer have beer cans in them. Right? Because when you become a Christian, you learn how to fake it. You know what you should hide and what you shouldn't hide. And Foundation Church, we are not going to be a place where we expect lost people to act like found people when they come into this place. That means the moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. That means this, the moment that somebody comes in and you know what they were doing last night, you shut your mouth and you're the first one that welcomes them and loves them and you are glad that they are here, right? That's what that means. That means all your partying people, when they come in, you don't go, what are you doing here, right? But you're like, man, I'm glad you're here. Can I tell you, parents, of all of our little children... That means lost people's kids are going to act like lost people's kids. That means your innocent little Susie in fourth grade, four-year-old class down there, coloring their little picture of Jesus when little Bobby doesn't get the red crown, and he gets a crown he doesn't want and says, what is it crown? I don't want this one. You don't get mad because little Bobby's acting like his mama and daddy, Right? And we, we're great with the Great Commission until the Great Commission comes and sits by our kids. Right? So you got to make sure that you're really bought into this thing, and we're going to allow lost people to come in so that their, their, their life and their story can be changed just like Nate Gormley's, right? Just like yours, just like mine. That there is a place for lost people to come and actually be found and not be judged and not be uh, criticized and not be talked about. That means teenagers and college students, when they come into this place, hopefully we've got lost teenagers coming in here. Hopefully we've got the party scene of, of our high schoolers coming in so that they there can be a change. Because the alternative is not acceptable. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. I could preach that all day. Here it is. Don't judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. And the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? 
How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Here's, here's what is becoming increasingly sad to me as I watch the church deteriorate. And, and thank God, God's doing a new work and something different at Foundations Church, right? But if we don't guard what God is doing in here, we will just become like everybody else. And, and here's what I would say. What, what becomes sad is church, man, we destroy our own. Right? We talk about our own. We criticize our own. Sometimes we're really understanding with the loss, but when somebody that has been found and somebody that as a follower of Christ messes up and screws up, whether it is public or it's private, what do we do? Instead of meeting them and greeting them and loving them, we criticize them. We talk about them and we judge them. How could they? What a pick. How disgusting. I would never. We do. And we become judgmental and we become critical and there's no constructive correction. There's no correction in love. There's no correction with, with kindness. We just talk about and we consume our own. Maybe you're sitting there going, well, Justin, you know what? I don't struggle with either one of those. So, so ob it's obvious to me, right, that I don't struggle being judgmental. I got something for you today. Um, judgmental and being judgy sneaky. I'm just going to tell you, it's sneaky. I didn't think preparing this message, I was like, this will be a breeze for me. And then this past week, I've been having to do some work. And it, 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 there, becoming a judgmental person, it sneaks in in two ways. And I'm just going to tell you, there's, there's something that has been created in our world that I just don't understand why. And I don't understand the appeal of it, and it is this candy right here, good and plenty. This is a lie. There's nothing good in this box. There's plenty of it because nobody buys them. Like this is, does anybody like these actually? You can have them right there. You get them. You get them right there. I got you. I got you. I can't believe this. I'm praying for you even more so. Like really, I, I am judgy. Yeah, exactly. Judgmental. I, I mean, these gross me out. Like it's, I could be starving to death and I would rather die then eat good and plenty. You're like, that's extreme. That's how much I hate these. And hear me, I would call these instead gross and disgusting instead of good and plenty. And I want to give you the good and plenties, the gross and disgusting of our, our, our nature that creeps in and makes us judgmental and judgy. And the first grossness part of it is we become jealous. And we struggle with jealousy. And some of you are like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a jealous person. I don't struggle with jealousy. Well, if you have said these phrases over the last year, you do. So, well, it must be nice. Must be nice to be them. Hmm. Must be nice to travel to Costa Rica, Justin. <laughs> How much are we paying that pastor? Well, I wouldn't have problems if I had that kind of money either. I wouldn't have problems if I lived where they live and had what they had. My marriage would be great if I had a spouse that looked like that. <laughs> Lord. My marriage would be great if I had a spouse that acted like that and appreciated me like that. 
If, if I had their dog, if I had their cat, nobody says if I had their cat. You know, my life would be perfect, right? And, and, and we, we say stuff, man, if I could travel like they do, if I could live like they do, if I could drive what they do, you know, it would be nice. And here's what I would tell you. Our jealousy makes us a lot less tolerant and a lot more judgmental. Because if people have less than us, here's the truth, we, they can have problems and we will be merciful and understanding. But if people have more than us, if people have more than us, that what we had at their stage, what do they have to be upset about? And see how sneaky, judgmental attitude comes in. See how just gross it becomes. And here's what the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 15 through 16. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And hear me, if this has been your attitude, if you've been, it must be nice, well, man, if I had this, if I had this, hear me, all your relationships, if you find that your relationships are just kind of dysfunctional, somewhere along the line, jealousy has snuck in there and it's made you very judgmental of people that have more and people that are doing better. But the second thing is this. The, the, the gross is jealousy. The disgusting is pride. And, and if I was going to be honest, I would tell you as your pastor, I don't have a problem with pride. I don't wear my, ladder, my letter jacket from high school around. I'm not like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. You know, I'm not talking about how great I am and look what we've done. And like, yeah, no, 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 no. And here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 12, pride leads to destruction, humility leads to honor. We know that, right? Luke 14, 11, Jesus said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. But as I studied pride, even though I don't think I got a problem with it, man, I got a big problem with it. It, it has snuck in, and I'm like, that is disgusting, Graves. Like, that, that, that's how you are, huh? And I'll give you some phrase. Well, I don't struggle with pride. Okay, well, if you have said this, you probably struggle with pride. Well, if they would try harder, then they wouldn't be where they are. And some of you are going, but Justin, it's true. Oh, I understand sometimes there's some truth to it, but you're saying it about them instead of to them. Right? Well, if they would try hard, well, if they made better choices, maybe their life wouldn't be such a mess. It's too bad my coworker is facing tough times, but if they would hustle and work harder like me, things would go better for them. Maybe their kids wouldn't be such a mess if they were better parents and did better disciplining and correcting of their kids. Got quiet. Can I tell you, this was so true when we had little kids. When we had Charlie, and Charlie was the easiest, best baby ever. Like, she would have diarrhea, and you wouldn't even know it. She's just like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right? Like, just happy as could be. And, like, we did the whole baby-wise thing. We're on a schedule. They nap at this time. Sign language. You want some more? Right? Like, like what? we're like, baby-wise is it. And then came Chloe. And Chloe was the meanest baby ever born. 
I call her baby vasectomy, right? Because it wasn't long after I was like, sign me up, I'm done. Some of you, that is way more information about your pastor than you wanted. Got real. I was like, I can't do this, Casey. Like, what is wrong with this child? Like, I had crosses in her room. I was like, her head's going to spin. I know it. I'm waiting. She'd wake up when you walk into the room, and literally, we would fall on the ground and just lay there because we didn't want her to wake up. She was mean. And, like, when we saw other babies that acted like Chloe, we are like, wow, they're such horrible. If they did baby-wise... Stick to a schedule and use sign language. It's not hard, dummies, right? And you become prideful and you become critical of others. Their problems could be avoided if, right? And you start talking about them and making assumptions about them. And the problem is pride has crept in. And here's what I would tell you. You simply don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't. You don't know what they've come through. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they fought to get to the very place that they are. And you don't know what you don't know. And it was made very, very clear to me that I struggled with pride on my way home from my first mission trip from Ethiopia. Right? And my, my prideful statement, well, I've worked hard and I deserve this. And it all stemmed from my flight home. Flight home, I'm flying back from Ethiopia, land in Washington, D.C., and my flight from D.C. to Dallas, I was supposed to have an aisle seat in the Comfort Plus section, right? I'm like, okay. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how my, my, my ticket, my seat got canceled, but it did. And they said, don't worry, Mr. Graves, we've still got you on the plane. You're going to get home. I'm like, sweet. I'm, I'm going to be on the plane. I'll be home. Be all right. And I get on. I'm the last one to board which that's awesome, right? Got my backpack. I'm like, sweet. And like, I could go so many directions with this. So I'm walking on. I'm already irritated. And I walk by the Comfort Plus section, and I'm like, you're in my seat, you're in my seat, you're in my seat, you're in my seat. And the seat that they have reserved me is in the very back row of the plane. So that means I don't have any place for my backpack. I'm in the middle seat of the back row of the plane against the restroom which means I can't recline. There's no space for my backpack, which means these big hogs have to just kind of sit in a yoga pose for two and a half hours from D.C. To, to Dallas. And then the Yahoo in front of me, who's a whole whopping five foot, decides right when the bell rings to lean back, bang, like he just comes back, whop. Like, and like he's just gyrating. I'm like, are you having a seizure? What is happening right now? Because he just keeps banging my, my, my knees. And I'm like, ah, oh, right. And, I'm, and here's what's going through my mind. I don't deserve this. I deserve not to be back here with the commoners. I deserve comfort plus aisle row, right? This is not for Justin Graves. I have been on a missions trip. I've been doing good. I've been doing the Lord's work, right? I do not deserve being right by the crapper where I can't recline and there's a crying baby across the aisle. That's no. This is not my lot in life, right? And how do you function in the middle seat on the back row of life? Do you think you're entitled to more? Well, but, but I've worked hard, and I've done this, and I've done that. And pride sneaks in so easily, so fast. We think, well, I don't, I don't deserve this. I deserve 
that and when that starts happening, you and I become very easily judgmental, critical, and we become judgy. And yet in the middle of all this, Jesus gives us the solution. In the middle of Matthew 7 where it's talking about, you know, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears, judge not lest ye be judged, right? Jesus gives us a solution on how not to be judgmental, how not to be critical, how not to go through life talking about people. And he says this in Matthew chapter 7, you know this verse, verse 12, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And here's, you know this. You know this is the golden rule. And here's what I would tell you. It's our last point. The golden rule is the foundation of active goodness and mercy. The golden rule is the foundation of active goodness and mercy. This verse right here is a huge grounding and foundational verse for us as followers of Christ because Jesus says this, in everything you and I do. That means in your attitude, in everything, means in the way that you talk to people and the way you talk about people. It means in everything, means especially your actions or or your inactions. See, it's some of us, it's not that we're doing things wrong, it's that we're not doing the good we know we should be doing. It's not that we have sins of commission, that we're actually committing sins, it's that we have sins of omission, and we're not doing what we know the Lord has instructed us to do, what His good and perfect will is for our life. Some of you with grown kids, right, and you've got aging parents, you want your kids to treat you a certain way, parent then why aren't you treating your aging parents the same way you want your kids to be treating you? See, it's about us doing to others in everything that we want them to do to us. And then as Jesus says this, do to others. This includes those that you love and those that you, hey, don't like. Those that are easy to be around And those, can we just be honest, there's some people that are hard to be around. Even those people, Jesus says this, you need to do to them what you wish they would do to you. Some of you are like, I just wish they would shut up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) here it is, do to others. Those that are easy to do good for and those that it's hard to do good for, do good to them. Because here's what Jesus says. What I love about this is that in a lot of religions, the golden rule is stated negatively. And what that means and what that sounds like is this, is don't do to others what you don't want others to do to you. And here's what you and I know. You and I know this. It's not hard. It doesn't take a lot of self-control, and it's not real hard for you and I not to be mean. Now, some of you are like, yes, it is. We'll come back to you next week. Um, But... It's not hard to not do harmful, negative things to people. And that's what a lot of religions leave it at. But Jesus comes in and he makes this statement way more significant. He says, it's bigger than not doing bad things. No, no, no. If you want to live your life out in a significant way, in a big way, go out 
And in everything, in your talk, in your speech, in your action, in your inaction, in everything to everyone, do to others what you want them to do to you. And you can't do to others what you want them to do for you while you're judging others. Can't do it. The solution to not being judgmental, the solution to not being prideful, the solution to not being jealous, the solution to not being judgy is to make the golden rule a daily part of your life and something that you are doing on the consistent. So that means this, instead of criticizing others, we start encouraging others, right? That means instead of gossiping about others, we are defending and we're loyal to others. Instead of assuming the worst, that means we give them the benefit of doubt. Instead of being jealous, we celebrate because what is happening in their life. Instead of waiting to be served, what do we do? We go and serve others. Instead of waiting for someone to thank us, we go and appreciate others. And instead of exalting yourself, you go and elevate others more. Instead of holding a grudge, you go out and you extend forgiveness. Instead of shutting them out and down, you show mercy and stay open. Instead of talking about their kids, dear God, you're on their knees praying for their kids and cheering their kids on. Instead of wishing people would, go do what you wish people would do for you. That's the golden rule that is active. And when we activate the golden rule, it is goodness and understanding and mercy and action and it has power. It's huge. It's big. It makes a difference. And I want to live my life out in such a way that it doesn't just live out in a neutral way, but it makes a difference that it's a significant way to live. You don't want to be judgy. You don't want to be a part of a judgy church. Then we, because we are the church, we have to be actively engaging in the golden rule and doing to everyone. That means your ex-spouse. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Due to everyone. Republicans. Oh, you know where I'm going. That means people that voted for Bernie Sanders. What? You couldn't have said Joe Biden. Everybody feels sorry for Joe Biden. You had to say Bernie Sanders. Democrats. That means people that voted for Trump. To everyone, go and do what you want others to do for you. And if we do that, we become a church that's a lot less judgmental and a lot more loving and a lot more powerful. My goal and my heart and my desire is to see the church become the church God intended it to be. And if we're going to be the church God intended us to be, that means we can't just know what we ought to do. We can't be hearers of the word, but we got to be doers of it, right? Because information alone doesn't change anything. But information, you know where I'm going, plus application equals transformation. Information plus application equals transformation. And let's go change this world by making the golden rule a daily part of our life. Let's pray today. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.